I am Andrea Butcher, and this is Being at Work. Being a leader is hard. So on this show, I set out to talk with experienced leaders to learn from their pivotal moments, how they led through the challenges we can all relate to but are often unheard. Today's guest is Karen Alter, CEO and partner at Borshoff, an Indianapolis-based full-service communications agency. Karen has such an incredible story. She is passionate about her work. And just when life felt so on track, she got some big news that could have knocked her off track. But because of the relationships, support, and confidence of her work family at Borshoff, she not only led through the challenge with a lot of grace, she also emerged a stronger leader and has used the challenging experience to shape how she leads today. Karen was recently recognized by the Indianapolis Business Journal as a woman of influence, and her story definitely points to that. Throughout our conversation, she continually highlights the big impact of the little things. Check it out. My journey at Borshoff started back in 1997. I know probably for some people, they're like, wait, what? When? <laughs> I Sometimes we have you know younger, new employees start. And I have to kind of set myself and say, now, were you like, how old were you? Were you even born back in 1997? So sometimes I feel a little bit like um, the uh, the oldest person around. But anyway, back in 1997, I came on board as an account director and uh, providing that client facing service to um, a set of clients. And my background was really more in the advertising and marketing and branding space, whereas Borshoff up to that point was really known for more traditional public relations. And so my affinity always with the agency and with the leadership and discussions was to grow the advertising side of the business. And really, uh, the lines were starting to blur back then and then later really blurred in terms of what clients were needing in terms of their communications and marketing needs. So it was just one of my goals, even back when I when I very first started, was to really grow that practice area. And so over the course of a decade plus, maybe about 13 years, I really just moved up into leadership roles, taking on more responsibility, supervising more teams, really as a kind of corollary to growing that advertising side of the business. So we started bringing on more traditional advertising executives and then additional art directors and writers and creative directors. So as that kind of rounded out, my skills and recognition for that work was really elevated with the business owners at the time. So uh, I was really probably around 2010, uh, 2010, really feeling like at the top of my game, I had been earmarked and promoted to senior vice president here at the agency, which was really probably about the highest point that you can be before being an owner and really feeling like I was doing what I I loved and was really, uh, you know, firing on all cylinders and everything. And my, my son at that point in time was 10. And so you know, he was kind of a little more self-sufficient doing his thing, could, you know, brush his own teeth and get dressed and things like that. So things were just feeling, feeling really, really good at that point in time. And um, at, the, at that same time, then unfortunately, I was diagnosed with cancer. And so it was a really challenging year in that I was going on this 
trajectory or this path to success. And really, when you hear the the C word, I'm sure a lot of our listeners probably have experience with that, whether it's themselves or someone else. But when you hear that, boom, you you stop in your tracks. Yeah, well, I can't even imagine what that must have been like. Yeah, it sounds like things were so good for you in so many ways. And then you get that diagnosis. Yeah, it was really, it kind of was out of the blue. And so it was based on just a um, a routine exam. And I do encourage everyone to please keep up with your uh, medical, uh, preventive medical uh, appointments, because that's really how my cancer was found. And so over the course of that year, I was pretty sick off and on. I had to do both chemo and radiation and it just really, it did, like I said, um, just sort of stop me in my tracks. And what I was overwhelmed by, of course, I had the support of my family and friends. I mean, when anytime you go through something like that, this, the support ne- network that builds up around you and supports you through that is just amazing. I think what I was even more overwhelmed by was the support from my Borshaw family, just in terms of the the team members just ebbed and flowed with what I needed. And um, what I mean by that is that being a, you know, we provide client service. So we're, our clients are number one and trying to keep them happy and, and work towards their goals. Um, it's a challenge when you're, you know, fully, fully healthy. So just in terms of the support that, that pro- was provided me from the ownership, you know, from the leadership ownership down to, even just an admin support was incredible where people stepped in, they stepped up. There was, we never missed a beat with any of my clients. And it was really just so amazing that I could kind of come in and out based on just how, if I was having a good day, I was doing my thing and I was really contributing. And then other days, if I, if I needed to not even, you know, be reachable, um, I wasn't. So that flexibility and that support was just truly amazing. Yeah. So I'd love to dive into that a little bit, because this is a, this is something that happens in organizations, right? Where people show up with challenges in lots of different ways. And this was a big one that you were faced with. I suspect because you'd been with the organization for so long, the depth of your relationships was really helpful. What else do you attribute the seamlessness? You said you never missed a beat. There was a lot of flexibility. They ebbed and flowed with what you needed. What do you attribute that to? I think it's the culture that we have here. We're very much a partnership approach, not only with each other, but with our clients and we're, uh, we, we have to have that reliability in order to share common goals and really work toward common metrics and, and common results for our clients. And so I think that was really, that kind of really just came through. It was very well exhibited in my personal experience. I also think that I am a very relational person. I, I, I kind of wear all my feelings on my sleeve. And so I, my relationships with the, yeah, like you said, 13 years here, I have really good friends and you, you're with these people a lot and you go through a lot of highs and lows and, and big things and little things. And so I really, my relationships, I think were just so strong and so deep that it, there was just a true 
passion and care, genuine care for for me and for uh, each other that it just it really just was kind of easy. There there wasn't really any any struggle through that at all. And there might have been and they just never they never shared it with me, but it seemed very seamless. Well, and it sounds like how you led through it also set the tone for that seamlessness. Right. I've I've always prided myself on work relationships and work friendships. I really feel like that's something that can make the difference for just in terms of the work that you can create together and the results that you can achieve. So I've always prided myself on, I mean, I have I have friends from my very first job back in 1985 after I graduated from Butler. And I just feel like having those deep relationships really does impact the work that you do in a big way. Yeah, especially during such a challenging time. For sure. Talk a little more about when I asked you what you attributed to, you know, the first thing you said was your culture. And then you talked about your relationships I'm curious what advice you would give leaders who are working with colleagues who have had a tough diagnosis or any big challenge in their personal life. How did people respond to you in a way that was so helpful during that time? Yeah, sometimes it's hard for me to remember, which sounds funny because it was only 10 years ago or almost 10 years ago. But I think it was the little things that had the biggest impact on me, whether it was a text that just said thinking about you. I think this was maybe even before emojis. So I'm not sure there were that many emojis back then in 2010. I'd have to do some research on that. But it could have just been a quick, hi, thinking of you, how are you doing? Or a card in the mail. Uh, sometimes I had co-workers drop off, even if I wasn't able to see them when they came to the house, they'd drop off meals or teddy bears or anything like that. So it really varied in terms of what people did. Oh, I know one time they, I was sort of starting to feel like I could do some work. And so I don't think I had a laptop. This is, this. the technology has really, I'm, I'm realizing how much technology has changed. But for some reason, we had like a little iPad or something like that. And they brought it to me. And when I turned it on, there was this really fun message. It was like this sort of video message with music. And so there were just little things like that. That And our team is so creative. So they always want to take something and just make it really, really special and really great. So it was just really fun to receive those different different things and, and um, through different channels, just that kind of hit right at the right time. That's really good that it wasn't like any big act of it wasn't. Um, yeah, it, it was the little things just to show you that they care. We're here for you. We support you. Right. It was really special. And and then even when I would come back to the office, there was just support here. Like drink your water and can I go get you your lunch or whatever it was. And And so it was just like I said, the little things just really added up. Well, and that's such a that's such a good and simple takeaway. You know, I I often hear from leaders when they're supporting team members who are going through a big personal challenge. Like I've I've had a lot of leaders say, "Like oh gosh, I don't know what to say. Like it's awkward, and I can't really relate to that because I've not experienced it." And so, what I hear on what you're saying is, you know, it's just being empathetic, just saying, "Hey, I'm here for you. I support you." Those little things that say, "I care." 
Right. Sometimes just as simple, I'm thinking about you. Let me know if there's anything you need. And I know sometimes if I'm the one sending that message, it sounds maybe a little empty, but it does it does impact the the person. That's good. Okay, so let's go back to the the tough year, right? You've given us a lot of insight around the culture and the support from your Borshaw family during that time. So then at some point you emerge back into the workforce and let's let's talk about that too, like your your healing and how you're feeling today and I know there's 10 years in there, so there's but tell us more about coming back into the workforce and how that was. Absolutely. So yeah, I, so I finished 2010, I had finished up my chemo and radiation. And after being pretty sick, I was immersing myself back into uh, the everyday workflow as much as I, as I could. And at the end of my treatment, sort of at the end of that year, 2010, we had our holiday party. And I was really just at that time, kind of being around more and everything. And I got pulled aside after the party by the the partners, the four partners at the time, and at that point was asked to be owner and partner at Borshoff. Oh my goodness! So what a what a uh, contrast to what I had been going through up to that point was this really what I felt like was maybe a really low point to have such the antithesis of that and this high point of something that I had thought about and was working towards and to have them provide that vote of confidence for me when I wasn't feeling all that confident was really special. And I think it, honestly, you know, when I talk to people now who are dealing with maybe something medical or something health related, the mind is a powerful thing. And I, and I felt like at that point, that was one of the things that it was almost like where mind was over matter and that's a cliche, I know, but it's interesting what the mind can do to the body when you kind of tell yourself, I've got something to work for here. I've got, I've got to contribute. I have a responsibility. So I do think that that was that overwhelming, overjoy feeling was just part of my journey back to good health. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about the moment at the holiday party when they're asking you that. I, I like, what was your initial reaction? I was like, really? I think, <laughs> I think, I, I think I sat there and just didn't really know what to say. It was very unexpected. And I think I was just so thankful and grateful and excited. And like I said, overwhelmed all, all at once and had a lot of questions, had a lot of questions about timing and expectations and, Getting, you know, me feeling like I needed to be back a hundred percent, and and basically Myra Borshoff, the founder of the company, saying we're here with you, we're we'll support you in that journey, and it was just a very, I was really honored and humbled all at the same time. Yeah, and so and then you see that I love your point about the mind being such a powerful thing. Like that, it sounds like that was an important part of your healing journey. Then, like all of a sudden, it really was. There was this confidence boost, and I've got something really meaningful because you love the work. I mean, we heard that earlier in your story when you were talking about how passionate you were about the work you were doing and growing the agency. Exactly, it was just one of those. You know, I was taking some some uh, medication to get myself back into good health and. Going to work was just another, it was another piece to that puzzle where I was like, okay, I've got this motivation. I've got these goals. I've got these 
goals that I want to hit. And so how does that all fit together? And it really did. Of course, I didn't. I, I had things at home that I was doing. So personally and professionally, it all kind of rolled up together. But uh, it was just an amazing time to kind of see all of that and realize all of that at the same time. Oh, my goodness. What an incredible part of the story. It really is. And sometimes I look back on it and I think, was that a dream? Did that really happen? And no, I know it did. <laughs> but I do think, and and you've probably heard this cliche too, just that can't like people that have had sort of a major medical event or if cancer, if you will, how it changes them. I mean, you know, a lot of spokespeople for different cancers talk about how they look at life differently. And it really, is, there's so much truth in that. And I think for me, it helped me prioritize. It helped me establish those things that were really important. And also then back to that being that relational person as a, as a, a young, you know, in my, in my younger career being, or having that as a, a trait of mine now as a, as the leader, as the CEO, I can, I do the reverse of that. You know what I mean? Like I can make sure that the, that the employees know that I'm, I'm that kind of a relational empathetic leader. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the immediate uh, trust and credibility it establishes the just so, so real. I think that, and that's, I mean, even having a hard time, like putting words to this, the level of transparency through your, that experience for me personally, and a lot of leaders, I know sometimes there's this, it's hard to be vulnerable. And particularly when you've got something like that going on, like you want to, you want to just like, it's, I'm going to get through this. It's going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. And sometimes we're, we're slow to share those those weaknesses or those challenging situations for fear of being perceived as weaker. And through this whole experience, there was a lot of transparency. There was a lot of support. And ultimately, it we want you to be partner owner in this organization. Yeah, it was. It's just been an amazing journey, and I feel like so often, in so many ways, I wanted to to not have that be the topic, just because when you're living it, it feels heavy. It feels, does feel like a weakness. But I think in, in other ways, there's so much strength that came out of that. And there's so much learning and self-reflection and self-awareness that I feel like that really was God's plan for, for me to experience that so that then I could share and have that, have that relatable experience with, with other people. Because I, I just think that everything happens for a reason. And while I, I don't wish cancer on anyone, I don't wish any ill on anyone. I do think each person's journey is, is independent to them. And that's just, that's just part of mine. And I think it's made me a a stronger person and a, and a better leader. Yeah. You are the leader you are today um, because of all of your experiences, including, including this one. Absolutely. I do agree with that. So then you came into 2011 as partner owner at Borshoff. At what point, so tell us then about the last nine years and the, the growth you've continued to do, the expansive leadership that's occurred over that time. Yes. Yeah, so in, in our agency, we are so blessed. 30, just celebrated 35 years in business and founded back in 1984 and just really proud of the the roots and heritage of Myra and 
the previous owners that were really instrumental in, in getting us to where we are today. And kind of along the, you know, in the first like 2011 to 2015, so maybe about a five-year span, we were really clipping along and growing that advertising side of the business, which again, I said was really my focus area. And so that was really exciting. And it was it was also very evident to us at that point that, and I think I might've said this early on, but it was evident to us at that point that clients were really coming to us not really knowing what they wanted. I, you know, it's hard to just box in, oh, I think I need an advertising campaign, or I think I need a media relations campaign. And so what was happening more and more was that we would just talk with clients about, hey, I've got this challenge, or I've got this need, how can Borshoff help me? And that's really when we were really finding our a lot of our success, because we could enter in a relationship with the client and help them figure it out together, and then recommend what we thought was the best, most successful path forward or the, or the path that was going to get them the, the greatest impact. And so back in, well, you know, the IBJ does its top 25, there's a, there's an advertising agency list and then there's a top public relations list. And they do that based on number of employees. But in 2014, we were the number one, we'd always been for many, many years, number one public relations agency. And then in that year, we were number one in both the advertising list and on the public relations list. And so that was just a feather a feather in our cap here at Borshoff because it really showed it was a it was a uh, indicator of that work that we had done where we had really grown that advertising side of the business. It was really exciting to celebrate that. Yeah, the fruits of your labor because you'd been working really hard. Yes, to grow exactly. That. And so, so then people started retiring. <laughs> we had uh, owners that started retiring. Myra retired. Myra Borshoff retired, and then Eric Johnson, longtime partner. Uh, owner retired, and then Susan Matthews, who was our managing partner forever. She was the first full-time employee of Borshoff back in 1984, or excuse me, 1985. And so with that, we were, Jennifer Deswaner, my current business partner of mine, we're looking at each other like, whoa, what does this mean for for the agency going forward? And so at that time, we had two other professionals here, Jennifer Berry and Catherine Coble, and they were senior vice presidents at the time. And so we asked them into ownership. And so now it's the four of us. And we're really leading Borshoff into that next, I think we might be in Borshoff 3.0 now since we're in our third, <laughs> 35th year, but uh, really exciting times. And it's really evolved and changed. And the CEO title for me is really just been since January of 2019. So with the four of us, we had each been here a long time, like each of us, maybe almost two decades. And so we had worked together, but we were a brand new leadership team. And so about a year ago, we, we had a, a session where we went off site and we looked at our vision, we looked at our values, and we looked at our roles and responsibilities. And at that point, just decided that we needed more clarity in those roles for our, not only our teams, our, ourselves, but our clients. And so decided that a CEO really was the, the role that, 
because we were a democratic leadership team, there are certain times when you need that single person to be the, the, the decision maker or the final, make that final call. And so was honored again to, to be voted among my peer group here to be the CEO. And so we've been moving forward with these roles for about a year now, and it's been really exciting. That's great. Well, tell us something. Um, cul- I mean, culture is so important to you, you know, and, and you started the podcast with that when I'd asked about, you know, your experience through your challenging time. And so just give us a couple of examples of things you've done as CEO to really maintain and support your culture. So one of the things that we, we're, we're perfectionists here at Borshoff. <laughs> we love to do things perfectly. And we all know that that's probably not a very attainable goal. But sometimes what we default to, how could we have done better? What could we have done to improve? And that is so important. I'm not saying that that's not important. But what we were finding was we weren't celebrating the positive things or the wins enough that we were constantly striving for that next thing and not really pausing and reflecting on the good things that were happening. And so uh, we and so we have a monthly staff meeting. We call it Shoff Town, Shoff as in Borshoff. And at our monthly Shoff Towns, we do the very beginning, we do what we call Be Positive. And it's just a popcorn style where you pass around the microphone and just say something great that's happened, whether it's for a client or with our teams, or sometimes people will talk about something personal that happened. And it's really changed the dynamic of those of those town halls just because it sets the stage for a, a really, you know, whether or not there's heavy content that's going to be shared later or not, it just gets people in a really good mood to start off those meetings. So that's one fun thing. And then another thing that we did that we've done recently is with those, I think I mentioned that we had restated our values. And so we are now doing an employee of the month program. And with that, you you can nominate a coworker. And within the nomination form, you can give an example of one or all four of the values in terms of how that employee has been demonstrating that and why they, he or she is deserving of the employee of the month. So that's been really cool to kind of put those values into action and into practice. Yeah. And both of those examples feel so aligned with your relational connective style as a leader. So no doubt you are modeling the way when it comes to to both of those examples. Yes, people know that I'm really passionate about those things and I get excited of any time that we're celebrating something or giving recognition. And again, there's there are days when it's not all rosy and there are things that, you know, tough decisions have to be made and we're we're not delivering the greatest news, but at the same time I think it's all balance and if you can share the good and really celebrate the good and what we're grateful for, then I think that just makes when you have to deliver that bad news, it's it's okay or it's it's not as bad. Um, and another thing that I'll just tell really quickly is this November we did a uh, we're thankful for you lunch for the team, and the four of us cooked a lunch, kind of a Thanksgiving lunch. I made the turkey, 
nobody got sick. So that's really good. <laughs> but um, one of the cool things that we did for each employee was we wrote, we hand wrote a note to each one of them as to why we were grateful for that employee and what we thought that they contributed to the, the culture and the team here at Borshoff and the work. And then we individualized a small gift. It wasn't a, a huge thing, but a, a very individualized gift to each person. And it was a, the first time we'd done something like that. And it just went a long way. We got so many thank yous and nice notes and comments from people that it just seemed very special. And so I think, you know, if the, if the listeners are thinking about ways that they can really show that, that appreciation for their team members, anytime you can do something that's very individualized, I think that just goes a long way and goes back to building that the, those strong relationships in, in your culture as part of your culture. Yeah. I mean, everyone just wants to be seen, don't they? And just, and everyone wants to feel like that what I'm doing is valuable. And that's such a great example of you, you saying to them, we see you, we see the great work you're doing and thank you. And no doubt that goes a long way in lifting people up. It really did. I think next year we're going to have to think of something to top that. <laughs> I'm not sure. It's a good thing we've got ten months. We can we can give it some thought. <laughs> well, you made a turkey, that's, and I made a turkey. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I was. So, I think I was more nervous about that than anything I've done in the last twelve months. <laughs> that's so good. It turned out good. Well, thank you for those examples. I mean, all all three practical examples of way to help ways to help people feel heard and seen and valued and appreciated. Um, particularly the the being the be positive. I mean, just starting meetings with having everyone share something they're grateful for, like you said, is such a great way to set the tone for a positive meeting. Absolutely, and I and I think those little those little peppering of that recognition just really goes a long way. And it's, it's been interesting because at the beginning I would send out an email like in advance of Shoftown and say, Hey, don't forget, we're going to start the meeting with be positive. So think of some stories that you want to tell. And now I, I did that maybe three times and I intentionally don't do that anymore. But once people got into the rhythm and the habit of it, it's now it's really caught on. Oh, I bet. Yeah. And again, part of your culture, part of your culture and the values that you've identified. So if you could go back, you know, what, what a journey you've had. And if you could go back, you said your journey started in 1997. So if you could go back and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? I think it would be not to worry so much. I think I come from a I'm like, I get it honestly. My parents are both big worriers. <laughs> and I think that I tended back then to maybe either focus too much on certain things or the what ifs or why nots and to really just be more at peace with where I was at the moment and where and and still with a with a vision and a and a goal that I was working towards but not to fret so much about it, not to maybe be fearful of decisions or words or actions or anything like that, but to just be a little more confident and a little bit more at peace. Well, and you're, you have a strong faith. And so no doubt that provides a foundation that there's a bigger plan at work and that it will all undoubtedly work out as it's supposed to. Absolutely. And I, 
I, one of my strengths for strengths finder is belief. And so I do think that I, I demonstrate that day in, day out, but it's still hard. I mean, there's still second guessing and, oh, we, we made this decision, but should we have? And so that I think that as a, um, as a leader and as for, for maybe other leaders, just saying, gosh, it's okay. Like make your decision and, I, I, and even, you know, now being a CEO of an organization, I think when I had, when, when the other owners, when I was not an owner and I looked up to them, I always felt like they had it, they must have it all figured out, right? Like they're, they had it all figured out. But now that I'm here, I'm, I'm realizing, oh, they were, they're doing exactly what I did. They had to make decisions and they didn't have the crystal ball that it might've seemed like they had. Yeah, no, I, I think that's my biggest learning too, is that Nobody really knows what they're doing. <laughs> We're all just doing the best we can where we are with it's what kind we of have. Weird to we? say, back to your vulnerability thing, it's kind of a weird thing to say, but you also have to be comfortable with that, that you're making the best decision at that moment with the, with the information that you have at hand. And you might have to change that tomorrow, but there's rationale for why you did it that way. No doubt. Well, Karen, thank you so much for being a part of our show and for sharing this great insight, lots of good takeaways through our conversation. If our guests want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Well, let's see. Uh, they can do my email, which is karen.alter at biz, or I'm on LinkedIn. I believe it's just Karen Alter. There you go. So they can find you there. Yeah. Awesome. And those, I think those two ways would be the best. Okay. That's good. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a being at work story.